0: In this episode, producer Adriana Fiorante helps us understand how the future of religion may be connected to psychology. We'll be looking at how our understanding of religion and relationships will change in the future. My name is Efoy Fojo, and this is Unraveled.
1: God, Not in the historical sense, not in the cultural sense, but just to the individual. What is God? In spiritual practices, what are people searching for? What is therapy's goal? When someone goes to a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, what is their end goal? There's a similar end goal between these two fields finding peace and happiness in life. One finds this, or attempts to find this, through spiritual means, and the other through clinical means. But is psychology really that, clinical? Or are we repurposing religion as a way of self-worship? Atheism is on the rise. We, as a society, are moving away from God and religion. Therapy's use has only been increasing in the last 30 years. But are we using psychology to fulfill our spiritual needs? life is absurd. Don't say that!
2: God forgive you! There is no God. Hey!
1: Not many have heard of Unitarian Universalism, a relatively new religion. Unitarian Universalism is arguably where the future of religion lies. Though it's built on a Christian foundation, it's made notable steps to move away from Christianity. It is post-Christian. It combines elements of Judaism, Buddhism, Islam, Shintoism, Hinduism, and even atheist philosophy in its practice. Unitarian Universalism steers away from the Guguism that's commonly associated with religion and dives into the reality that's commonly associated with academic study. I really subscribe to Unitarian Universalism, but it wasn't a quick way to get to that point. I had to meddle around with my religion and my spirituality a lot before I got to that place. This is how I found God and how spirituality helped me with my mental health and why I think psychology is becoming a new form of religion. My name is Adriana. For those of us more sensitive, this podcast does contain mention of STIs, sexual assault, and death. I wasn't really brought up with a religious influence, at least not religious in a spiritual sense. My parents weren't religious. My next-door neighbor would have my sister and I over after school, and we'd stay there most of the days of the week. She was Jewish, and she had a pretty big influence on me. But she was more culturally Jewish than she was spiritually Jewish. In high school, I left public school to be correspondence schooled, which is essentially what we've been doing all of the last year. So I was just learning from home through a company that would send me books in the mail. My family had moved to a house about 20 minutes from Lindsay called Bethany, Ontario. There was no one in the hamlet we lived in who was my age, so I was extremely isolated and I was really terrified of seeing anyone my age. So whenever I did come to Toronto to take exams, I would do everything to avoid running into other high schoolers because everyone was so mean to me and I was so afraid of being made fun of. I had nobody to talk or text to. I was completely alone, completely isolated. I spent a lot of time reading and watching movies and educationally speaking it was great and I really got to form my own identity but I was completely miserable during this time I got really into screenwriting around this time and there was one of those little workshops where they go over screenwriting basics and how you can meet whoever to get set up and how the whole process works I went, I met this older guy, we started talking. At the time I thought he was really great and cool, but you can guess, he really wasn't great and cool. I thought we had a lot in common, um, and I didn't have anyone else to speak to who was interested in these things. He had his PhD in psychology, he was really passionate about it. I only really hung out with that guy once. After two months I got really sick. My neck was super stiff, like my lymph nodes were super swollen. I thought it was just a cold. About a month after, I still had this tension in my neck and these bulbs on my lymph nodes, so I obviously googled the symptoms, and the first thing that comes up is HIV. I was convinced I had HIV. I couldn't tell my parents because they'd be furious at me, and I didn't want to go to a doctor because I was terrified they'd tell my parents. So I started going on online forums for people who have STIs, and I find this guy who was 17... Uh, His name was James. He had the, unfortunately, the most, he was from Scotland, and he had the most common Scottish name in the world, so you cannot Google him, and he had AIDS. Uh, He didn't realize that he had HIV until years later, and it had progressed into AIDS. We would Skype almost daily, and uh, he had these massive rashes and sores on his body, and he was super lithe. And at one point, um, he got super sick, he got briefly better, and then he stopped responding to me on everything. So, uh, no email, no Skype, no text, nothing. And I haven't heard from him since. I don't want to say that he died because it sucks to even think, really. So I was convinced that was my fate, and I was incredibly anxious and depressed. I was completely alone and developed massive anxiety about socializing because I felt extremely gross and unclean. After reading a lot of books and watching all these movies, I got really bored and would walk alone. I questioned myself all the time, so why do you feel unhappy? And I'd answer something like, because I'm not around many people. And I'd question, why is that intrinsic to your happiness? And I'd say, because it's normal. And I'd question further, so why do you think normalcy is correct or the key to happiness? Like, I would keep asking why to everything I thought and everything everyone did. Outwardly, I had developed uh, these huge rashes on my back and arms. I was really convinced I developed AIDS and I was going to die. I only wore long sleeves even when it was warm and I was super reclusive. So my parents sent me to a therapist. Um, In short, it didn't work out. It was probably partially my fault, but by that point I was so interested in questioning and exploring my brain that nothing the therapist said to me had much effect. I was sent to a psychiatrist after I was given antidepressants, I didn't want to take them. And when I did, it really didn't help me. One night I was feeling particularly down and really lonely and suddenly I have this massive feeling of presence. I felt like I had another person inside my body who was like, hey, what's up? Uh, It was completely non-judgmental and totally safe and this really happy feeling, this overwhelming, loving, great feeling like it could fill up the earth and suddenly was super super present in my mind and I could communicate with this feeling as well and it always had the right answer to everything. It was always the utmost truth. I think that this feeling really is the core of all spiritualities. Anyways, after a month my mom saw I had these massive rashes all over my body and she demanded we go to the doctor. I didn't have HIV. (laughs) I was literally just freaking myself out. But you cannot imagine the relief. I felt like a moron, but just it felt like the weight of the world was off my back. And, but as the years went by, the more I consulted that feeling and that presence, the less stress or negativity or trauma seemed to get to me or have any effect on me. I had a bunch of other traumas and really went through a hellish headspace. But the more I went to this peaceful, calm space, this, the, this part of my brain that was just completely untouched, the happier I felt and the more I could deal with issues in my physical life and problems with my, men, my own mental health. I think a lot of people are introduced to religion first and are then forced to find God through the lens of that religion. I think a lot of people take issue with religion because one, there are massive political implications to virtually every major religion. And I think a lot of people view religion as more of a force of division than anything because of the political acts done by people in the name of that religion. Beyond that, people from within their own communities face religious abuse. If you're gay or trans or even a woman in a conservative community that's closely tied to a religion, it just associates that religion with pain. I think religion has an association with being the opiate of the masses, that people just think of religion as a form of controlling the lower class via guilt and imploring passivism when life is pointless. I experienced the opposite in that I found this spiritual presence, and I wanted to fit it into a religion for structure's sake. And I still find it hard to find good religious community, and I still view spirituality in an almost selfish way that's, you know, completely mine. My father in particular was very...
3: And spirituality, and also psychology. So, very interested in Jungian psychology, which is another thread of my life and work, I guess, or ideas. In my twenties, I guess I left the United Church of Canada. I found it was just a little—it was too limiting for me in terms of the the doctrine and the beliefs. I, there were certain things that I felt—I don't know—I knew that they were metaphorical, or you know, I—I—I I, I knew that the Bible had been translated in certain ways, which changed the meaning, but often that didn't come forward in services. It wasn't really presented that way to to people in the church. And I, I found that really uncomfortable. Right. And also I was being influenced. I had other influences spiritually at that time, like Buddhism, for example. So I didn't know anything about Unitarian Universalism at that time, but then when I kind of stumbled on a UU congregation later on, um, at a time in my life when I really wanted more religious community, uh, I just found it was, it was an amazing experience just to find a place where all of it was welcome. And um, I was free to um, explore different spiritual ideas and kind of find my own
1: path in religion. Lynn Harrison, who preaches at First Unitarian Toronto, has been there since 2015. She, like many members of UU, are really invested in other people's spiritual growth and what spiritual growth even is. My,
3: I guess if I had to say a definition, it would be developing our connection with the dimension of life that is more than us as individuals. So connection with the transcendent connection with something deeper um connection with i'm using a lot of different language because different language fits for different people some people would say spiritual growth is about deepening in connection with god but the way i would put it in our context because some people don't Believe in God, I would say spiritual growth is deepening our connection to the something more, however that is defined.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It could be inner wisdom, could be uh, life with a capital L, um, but just deepening that connection is really about a relationship, actually, spiritual growth.
1: I find it really interesting how people speak about religion and how it overlaps with psychology and even how recognized religions like UU integrated into
2: their practice.
1: I think there is an overlap or there can be an overlap um, in Jungian
3: psychology in particular. So Jung's um, idea of the self, which he capitalized, was the idea that this was something that extended beyond the individual. Like it's, it's within us individually, but it is also, um, transpersonal. So actually connecting us with all of life. And, um, there's a great mystery in that there's a a sense of reverence and awe when you consider the unconscious and what comes from what comes into into our life through dreams for example so that kind of psychology i would say has a deep connection with religion because it's you know it's it's the mystical it's um mm, opening up to
1: opening up to the unknown uh, all of that. My mental health really benefited from me having a spiritual presence that I really attended to and nurse. I don't think I'm special in that sense or strong. If anything, I think I'm really weak and I'm really sensitive to everything. And that's not a bad thing. But spirituality has been fundamental to my mental health. And I think others can agree.
2: I think that spirituality is one aspect of our health. Uh, it's one
3: aspect of our mental health. And actually that it's 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 probably ignored it's often ignored or not recognized as something that can enhance our our health and well being in general. Mm. But that we can we can engage in that you know for our own be- well-being even through something as simple as as mindfulness meditation
1: i think like myself a lot of people come to religion or spirituality when they're really in a rough spot like when the season changes to colder i always feel really terrible the first few weeks and find the more i put my brain on pause and focus on praying really intensely and locating you know that special part of me it really helps i like praying outside and finding other religious people online and speaking with them about it and honestly uh, growing up in a Jewish community, even if I don't totally agree with a lot of the philosophies, I really love watching Jewish sermons and reading Jewish Midrash, which is like analysis of the Torah. Very often
3: newcomers come to our congregation in a time of crisis. And I, that's how I arrived. You know, I was going through a really difficult time. We were going through a difficult time in our marriage. Um, I really needed support, really needed support. And the thing is, church doors are open. Church doors are also,
1: um, you know, the the help is available and and it doesn't cost anything. Religion isn't really always based around a God, right? Buddhists, Jainists, and Hindus don't believe in a God. The term religion is still hugely contested. By defining religion as a spiritual worship of God, this excludes paganism, Mesoamerican religions, and Shinto, even tying spirituality. religion can be flawed because some forms of shamanism and bigonism really only relate special people in a community who have the spiritual presence or connection. Regardless, with the rise of globalism and secularism, religious worship has been decreasing globally, even in regions previously very pious, and this probably will continue into the future. If you believe that some religions focus on getting to know the self and determining what the self is, that religion's focus is ridding the self of pain and learning more about the self, then therapy undeniably falls in this category. We just don't view it as spiritual like we do Christianity or other major religions because there's no God attached to it. We, in a removed way, view ourselves as a form of God in therapy, though not in a dramatic Old Testament-y way. In short, psychology as a study and practice is a form of religion where we view the self as God. I'm not the first person to think this, and I was somewhat reaffirmed on this by Paul C. Witts in his book, Uh, Psychology as Religion, the Cult of Self. Witts is an American psychologist who teaches out of Divine Mercy University in Sterling, Virginia. Um, I tried to get in contact with him, but he's a difficult man to reach. But I did find a lot of psychology uh, PhDs or professors who were really interested in this subject, and who studied psychology of religion really extensively. There are already religious practices that combine psychology with its worship. Reformed Judaism concerns itself heavily with psychology and how the mind fits in with spiritual worship. Protestant liberalism, guided by the teachings of Slimeracker say that the human mind is really made up of feeling, knowledge, and action. In researching religion and psychology, I found the Ph.D. graduate Michelle Kennedy at Boston University, whose thesis focused on the psychology of religion.
2: So, in religion, you have these themes uh, that, one way or another, determine our unconscious thoughts. Uh, for example. Uh, Story of Joe. Uh, you have this theme of uh, suffering. So uh, different religions have uh, different interpretations of the story, but in essence, uh, you know the overall moral is that he uh, went through needless suffering, but he still found that the living is the value in itself. Psychoanalytic study: you look at the motivational process and structures behind wanting to survive these scenarios. Uh, it's definitely very close uh, to spiritual
1: thought. I read. Freud's Moses and Monotheism, a book that criticizes the Torah, and became really interested in religious interpretation. He was a virulent atheist and thought religion was stupid. His works are so often contested but still revered even in religious studies.
2: So Freud's influence uh, is pretty undeniable. His influence in psychoanalytic thought, his ideas about dreams... Uh, sexuality and vague uh, uh, social structures are um, actually extremely prevalent in uh, academic discussion, and he's one of the most, if not the most uh, referenced scholar uh, even today. I don't think it's so much that his works have been discredited, but it's that they are actually very insightful and influential in how we look at our minds. He thought of religion as the folly of ingrates or idiots. But he did study uh, quite a bit on unconscious communication, which often falls into religious thought and discussion. You know, they're
1: often part
2: and parcel.
1: I heard from some psychology students I spoke to that they thought the opposite, that religion is actually an old form of psychology rather than psychology a new religion.
2: Practices and the value systems involved in each religion. Mm. Uh, it's hugely up for debate, though, but it's unlikely, I'd say, in our lifetime or in the, the next hundred years that religion will be replaced. Religion in a psychological sphere is interested not in the practices or the rituals or beliefs, but the conscious meaning of it.
1: Beyond that, I worry about the place of religion in the future, not just for myself, but for the help of others. I think that spiritual pr- places can offer great free community, help, and peace to people who really need it. There's a clinical
2: and treatable perspective on the view of minds that religion often distincts itself from. but There are some religions that involve itself with uh, clinical takes, especially newer religions, but many... Uh, overarching and uh, recognized mega religions uh, don't focus on the clinical approaches to mind in the same capacity. Uh But yeah, uh, I'd say in the West, in many capacities, uh, psychology is taking over some of the space that religion has taken up. But I don't think it's as simple as psychology as a new religion, but that psychology offers something religion often uh, miss the mark on. It depends on your therapist and their education and their approach as much as it does uh, the religious leader and their
1: approach. I always feel a bit of embarrassment when I talk about religion, when I speak about it with anyone like my friends or family or even when I interject it at work because I feel like I look like an insane person. No one I know is religious, especially under 60. Regardless, I think God is the most important presence in my life, and learning about religion has been the most important journey of my life. It's not taken seriously in the field of mental health, but I am a testament to its work.
0: This episode of Unraveled was produced by Adriana Fiorante. I'm your host, Efo Foggio. Our associate producer is Taha Hashmani and our executive producer is Elena Duluigi. Special thanks to John Powers for composing our theme music and Ben Shelley for creating our podcast artwork. Our professor is Amanda Capito And special thanks to Lindsay Hanna and Angela Glover.